Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain... Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Malika Basu. In this episode, I'm speaking to Riyadh Kalaf. Hello, Riyadh. Hi, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Now, tell us who you are and tell us how you got into cooking. Uh, well, I, I'm a, an Iraqi-Irish broadcaster, uh, writer and um, former kind of YouTuber. And I have always been obsessed with food from a young age. It's always been a big, big part of my household, my childhood and uh, m- multiple uh, different cultures in, in the, the kitchen in terms of food. And sort of almost by accident, I found myself doing Celebrity MasterChef in 2020 and uh, won it <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> I love uh, it when that happens. Yeah, uh, the best experience of my professional life, actually. Uh, but uh, that, that sort of led me down even more of a foodie path. And um, I love it. And was there someone in your journey when you were younger that inspired you into cooking? Um, mm. I believe there is a teacher involved. Yeah. I went to Ireland's first comprehensive secondary school and it was a place that really encouraged breaking down any of this sort of gender norms in terms of what you would choose to do. It's not boys do woodwork, metalwork, girls do home economics. It's kind of just what do you want? So, of course, I was definitely going to be doing home ec and my teacher was this sort of um, boss this female boss, uh, Heather Farlow, Miss Farlow, as Ms. I would call her. Farlow. We love the sound of Miss Farlow. Yeah. And she was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. But also, you know, I kind of looked up to powerful women as a, a young closeted gay man. I think a lot of us uh, do when we're kind of at that stage in our life. And uh, she uh, ruled the kitchen with an iron fist or an iron spatula. And uh, there was a lot of the basics I learned there. Uh, and I, I guess it was 50-50, the classroom uh, with Miss Farlow and uh, back in the, the kitchen in the home with my mother. And she learned from my grandmother. It, it's always been a kind of a, 
make the dinners interesting. That sounds incredible. So now you're going to have to tell me more about the sort of food you ate growing up mm. in the kitchen at home. What was it like? Well, m- my mom always had this fear of, of, like I said, boring us. And I don't think we ever would have been bored with whatever she put on the table. But it was honestly, a Monday would be uh, Mexican fajitas. And then the next night would be kofta kebabs from um, Iraq, where my dad is from. Then we'd have, sorry to say, not very nice um, cabbage and um, like a, a, a ham. A uh, dude, not cabbage. Kind huh? of Irish, but Irishy, kind of just boiled. and. <laughs> but she was trying to, you know, bring the Irish culture in. Um, and then, you know, we might have a, an Indian dish the next night. So it was, it, it was really from birth, widening my palate. I even remember on a Sunday, we would go kind of uh, intermittently. One week we'd go for a traditional kind of roast dinner. And then the next night, uh, and then the next Sunday, we'd go to uh, the the best Indian restaurant in, in the town. And, and my parents didn't have a lot of money at the time. So they would really sort of scrape together what they had for this kind of Sunday family religious experience, which was going to eat together. And we'd be so excited about it for the whole week. And I, one thing I really remember more than any of the main dishes was the lychees and that kind of really cheap vanilla ice cream in a sort of a metal bowl. That was the dessert. Until this day, I, my, I'm salivating now just thinking about it. Like I'll go into the local supermarket and I'll buy a tin a, tin of uh, lychees and just eat them with a fork, you know. I, I love that. And I love that your mum was introducing all these incredibly diverse flavours into your palate quite early on. And do you think that had a, a, an influence in the sort of food you cooked and started enjoying growing up? Yeah, I find that the minute I started cooking, I was always experimental because she was. I would see her with a recipe, but then I'd also see her kind of get frustrated and push it aside and then put in different spices or, or, or ma- make it kind of up as she went along. And it would always be slightly different. Yeah, I remember she used to make homemade burgers and some days there'd be a bit of tomato puree in it and then there'd be a bit of, you know, thyme and parsley and then there wouldn't and there'd be an, another thing in there. And um, I always love doing that. I, I almost feel like I'm stealing someone's recipe if, if it's completely ingredient by ingredient, exactly what they've done, even if they've given permission. I I like to play. It's a playground. It is a playground. It sounds like your mum was having the best fun as well. Mm. That's so good. Tell me a little bit more about your favourite dish. Yeah. So, you know, what makes it special to you? So this dish is something that my mother would cook in order to not just you know, put a nice meal on the table, but to transport my dad back to his roots in Iraq. You know, he fled as a refugee, this war-torn country, Saddam Hussein was in power. And there were certain foods that always reminded him of childhood and when he would be sort of hanging out with his friends. There's even pictures of him eating this dish, which is um, the lamb uh, kofta kebabs, really succulent uh, lamb kaftas and a, a selection of different sort of accompaniments that go with it. You can have as many or as little as you want. Um, there's pita bread, there's tzatziki, there's a fatouche salad, um, uh, or, or you could have tabbouleh. Uh, there's hummus. 
uh, and roasted aubergines. I like the, the baby ones because they're crispier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, I cooked this specific dish for the semi-final round of Celebrity MasterChef. The, 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 the ask was, or the, the challenge was, um, a dish that reminds you of someone that you love. And of course, it was, this was for dad. Aww. And it's, it's not that hard to make, but it's a crowd pleaser. It's so filled with different flavors, different colors, different textures. It's one of those, I've got ADHD. And for me, it really helps me engage with the plate because I'm not bored. It's, oh, a little bit of that. And then I'll dip that in that. And then I'll roll this into that. And it's just fun to eat it and to share it. It sounds like sharing family food, doesn't it? And you use your hands. Hands. Hands, hands, hands. It's all about eating with the hands. I'm so glad you brought that up. Now, one more thing to say about that. Do you remember how your dad reacted when your mum cooked all this food? Because it must have been so sweet. And for home cooks, it means a lot to be appreciated, doesn't it? Big time. My dad was living in this foreign country and assimilating as best he could into Irish life. But I didn't realize until I saw his reaction when he, every time he ate these kofta kebabs, that taste and smell is such a transporting power. You know, he would sit there and and literally get emotional as he was eating the food. And and the, the eating of the food would lead to the storytelling and the questions and the answers about the part of his life that we actually never really knew about and even repressed memories, good ones and bad ones that he had would begin to come out over these kinds of meals. And, you know, it's kind of cliche to say that, you know, food takes you on a journey, but it does. It's so true, though. It really does. It really does. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of the food that takes me on a journey is like angel delight. (laughs) Back to like, back to like my childhood. We uh, we just literally crash landed on the ground. What on earth? Where did that come from? I know, but I just try to show the diversity, you know, it could be something as beautiful and poetic as a lamb coffee kebab from Baghdad or Angel Angel Delight delight. in a plastic bowl served by your crash. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, love it. Um, Let's talk about kofte though, because... Can I just say, I adore the way you pronounce it. Did I say it right? I don't know. Okay. But I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. Kofte. Oh, I think that's right. Oh, uh, uh, this is very good for my ego. Excellent. We can keep going. But tell me more about this lamb kofte because mm. it, there's something about handling it, isn't there? Mm. It can get quite dense. And will you talk us, please, through making the perfect lamb kofte? So my mother would make these koftas by utilizing quite big chunks of white onion, like kind of diamond shaped little rocks in the meat. And that was the way she liked to make it. Now, I like to make it in a slightly different way. And again, that's that's the beauty of a, a recipe sort of being passed down the generations. Each generation has its own iteration. And I, I tend to to really finely dice them and, and almost put in more than the recipe says, uh, because they're the, the part of the recipe that's adding so much of the moisture. Um, one thing that I made a mistake with a couple of times is if, if I'm combining meats, if I don't want it to be too kind of punchy and gamey, you know, with with lamb, I might add in um, half uh, beef mm-hmm. uh, to the meat part of the recipe. Um, 
but don't overwork the meat. It's not it's not dough. Um, because it will turn into a bullet. That was that was a kind of a hard lesson yes. learned. Yes. I was like, why why is it not crumbling? Why is it not soft and bouncy? You know, like you think of meat bouncy, but they should. If you push it down, it should pop back almost like a loaf in the oven. Um, so work the meat almost as little as possible. That is such a strong tip. Mm. Um, and then what else goes in it? There must be herbs in this. Yes. Fresh or can we use frozen? What would you go with? I remember my mom, because this is back in the 90s, you know, I know this sounds unbelievable to think of now, but back then fresh herbs weren't always readily available from the supermarket and it was just easier to use dried herbs. So a lot of the time they were, it was dry mint, dry coriander, uh, dry parsley. But the difference, oh, the difference when you're using fresh, fresh, ideally organic herbs from your greengrocer that are you know, you're keeping them in water in your home. They're not just thrown into the bottom of the fridge. You know, they are literally fresh. Um, And then I'm chopping them. I'm chopping the life out of them. Like they are just obliterated and then they're put in. And then I, I might at the end have some sort of thicker bits put in almost just for aesthetic purposes. So I've got my herbs in there for flavor, but I also got my herbs in there for what I'm seeing. Because one thing I learned from doing MasterChef was that the people that watch the show, they're using their eyes as taste buds. And we do that already when a meal lands on our on our table. But it's it actually enhances the the flavor sensation when you're seeing something that you love. There was some experiment done where they dyed a carrots blue and they had a burger that was orange and they 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 messed around with the colors and they they scanned the brain and it's so much less enjoyable. You're getting less of like dopamine while you're eating these things if they don't look the way you want them to look. That's so true. And it's something about eating with the eyes Mm. and also eating with your nose because you smell the food as well, don't you? Big time. Before you then put it in your mouth. So I love the sound of that. Sounds like it's quite economical as well because you use a big bunch of herbs and you'd use it because I hate it when recipes are like, you know, use a tablespoon of fresh coriander. I'm like, what do you mean? I only buy massive bunches of coriander and you want to use it. And also the fact that different elements of the dish also use herbs as well. There are herbs in the tzatziki, there are herbs in the the hummus. Uh, You can put them in, you can take them out as you wish. But I, again, I just put hell for leather, put it in flavor, flavor, flavor. Sounds amazing. Uh, we talked about, so we've talked about tzatziki, we've talked about hummus. Tell me a little bit more about the accompaniments. What would you serve the kofta with? Mm. How would you dress that? Well, the, the, to talk about the hummus in particular, that's one of my favorite things to customize. And I've played around with that a lot uh, over, actually over the lockdowns. It was kind of my go-to kind of Friday night, few crudités and this bowl of gorgeous umami-ish, hummus that would last for days because there was so much of us and it's just so cheap to make and again a crowd pleaser so you know you got your standard basic hummus you got your chickpeas your tahini uh, olive oil and uh, garlic and and lemon salt and pepper but then I was like yeah I kind of been there done that let's add in a little bit of turmeric and you're getting that that punchy colour and a little bit of that sort of Middle Eastern flavour in the back of the throat and then I thought, oh, I'd love a bit of smokiness in this. So I added in a bit of smoked paprika. 
And I know that you're thinking Mexico with Middle East. <laughs> Why not? And then I'm adding in. I'm not saying anything. Oh, oh. <laughs> that sounds good. Though. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it in next time. You're gonna taste it. It's gonna blow your mind. And then I'm adding in a, a load of fresh coriander, and you got these flecks running through it. And I'm blending it also to a point at which it's still got texture. I want to be able to feel the uh, the bits of half broken down chickpeas on my tongue as I'm eating. I don't want puree. I'm not a baby. And, uh, so a bit of texture, texture. in hummus. This is interesting. Because if you go to buy store-bought hummus, it's almost always paste. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, it should be paste. But I, I want that a little bit more rustic vibe. And then once you've got that, I'm making my well on top with a spoon, filling that with really good quality extra virgin olive oil, toasting off some pine nuts to the edge of being charred, like right before they burn, because they're going to have that lovely nutty flavour. They, they go on top. Bit of sumac, which is that sort of sharp, um, I think it's Tunisian uh, or Middle Eastern um, spice. And, uh, and then the lovely purpley jewels of uh, pomegranate seeds mm. that are going to burst and give you those hits of sweetness. Again, hits of sweetness, hits of savoury, hits of salt, the slipperiness of the, the oil and the, the hummus. Mm-hmm. It's just heaven in a bowl. It sounds absolutely heavenly. I'm really craving hummus now. I know, me I too. Why? <laughs> um, tell me more about, do you put any like healthy things in hummus? Would you put beetroot in there or spinach in there? Have you messed around with that? I have. And that's the kind of experimentation with the hummus that I think takes it too far and turns it into something that's no longer hummus. I I, I love beetroot as um, a, a vegetable, but I think I want to do other things with the beetroot. Uh, I want to pickle it. Um, I want to, maybe I could put it in a, like a baba ganoush, but I, I feel that earthy sweetness and the wateriness of it. It waters down the hummus a bit too much. Now, maybe I need to take out some of the lemon liquid, juice I'm putting in you know, or yeah, the liquid yeah. and, and that can come from the beetroots mm-hmm. instead. But I feel like I'm losing the beetroot in the hummus and I'm losing the hummus in the beetroot. So you're neither here nor there effectively. Yeah. Well, that's one way to look at it, yeah. isn't it? Um, each to their own, though. Each to their own. What sort of chickpea man are you? I'm going to say that again. What sort of chickpea man are you? Are you a tinned, a jarred, mm-hmm. or a bowl your own from scratch guy. And by the way, I'm going to judge you no matter what you say. I'm lazy. I'm straight from the tin, honey. Let's go. Love it. Quick, I knew I'd like you. Easy, simple. I'm like, if there, I'm I'm like water. I go towards the easiest route, you know, towards joy or to get out of a situation. And yeah, tinned, tinned, tinned. I don't care. Amazing. Uh, I like you very much, even more now that you've said that. <laughs> so you're cooking all this food and you love sharing food and, you know, things that people can dip in and get involved in. What do you do at the weekends? Tell me about your Sunday lunch. Sundays, that's a day of rest for me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, let's go for brunch. Let's order in. And I, I love that. I get excited about it. It's a social day for me as well. You know, that it's been a long week. I don't really want to think about Monday. And uh, I generally just find the nearest friend and spend time with them. I might ask them to cook, actually. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a canny plan. I mean, it is about the balance, though, isn't it? Because food is about sharing, but also you don't want to feel like, you know, you're constantly at it. Yeah, it, it's the, do you know what it is? On a Sunday, I've got zero motivation to, to not only get the ingredients, but prepare to cook the ingredients and then to clean up. I just want someone 
here's a little bit of money. You do it for me and I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. Thank you so much. This is gorgeous. But and and I will say as well, depending on, on what the Saturday night was like, if the Saturday night was tame, the Sunday dish will be healthy. If the Saturday night wasn't tame, the Sunday is uh it's a write-off. It's awful. Yes, it is. Like very, very, very now, bad for we, you. We don't want to give away our deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-mm. But yes, can I just say I agree wholeheartedly. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire question Ooh. round now. So okay. are you ready for this? <sighs> Let's go. Okay. What is your most well-thumbed cookery book, Riyadh? Oh, 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 oh. Um, Nigella Lawson. Um, it's the old one. It's got pink and white on the cover. It's called... Bought it for my mom and I bought it for myself. Oh, God. I can't remember the name of it. Pink cover. It's got, I think it's got pink and blue or, or pink and white. It's on not the cover. Forever Summer, is it? I think it or is. Feast? No, Feast was a dark cover. It's Forever Summer years ago. Years and years. That's the one. Lots of colour pop. Yes. Bright colours. Really lots of salads. Exciting book. Good man. Good man. What Love music- you, Nige. Love Nigella. Um, what music do you cook to? Oh, um, I love cooking to Jessie Ware. A great cheap eats restaurant, pub, or market that you love. Where do you go? Where would you recommend? I love this new place that's opened in Clapham near the old town. It's called Willows. And they do these really amazing sort of smorgasbord uh, platters where there's a, a small bowls of various different things. It's almost like a, a tapas situation. Very sherry, super tasty. The price is is great and it's just a lovely spot to casually meet up with friends um, and anyone that opens a business in this kind of climate Honestly, I'm like well done that's it so I, I love Willows so it sounds like that's very much your thing Riyadh isn't it sort of getting people around a table sharing dipping that's very sort of brings the best of Iraqi and, and Irish traditions if you yeah. like it's it's all about people it's Look. all about storytelling um, making memories and um, being together Grand. Um, tell us about something that's always in your fridge. Hmm. I was going to say that hummus, but... We're not talking about hummus anymore. Okay. Something else. Okay, okay. Let, let me think what's always in my fridge. Always in my fridge. This is. I don't know if this is embarrassing, but organic carrots. Ooh. Because I just love the flavour of carrots raw. I will often, as I'm walking past the kitchen and I'm feeling a bit nibbly, I'll just grab a carrot and not even peel it. I'll just top and tail it with my teeth and like spit the top and tail in the bin. And I'll just walk around like a Bugs Bunny eating the carrot. And it's, it's, I feel like it's, um, it's really healthy and it's delicious and crunchy and it's good for your eyes. And I think if you eat enough carrots, you kind of look like you've got a glowing tan because of the beta carotene. Could be lying, not a doctor, but, um, that's my, uh, Guilty secret. Is it even guilty? It's a carrot. It's a carrot. I think it's an, an, an enormously commendable habit that you've got going there. And organic because they, they the, one of the, you know, you think organic, not organic. Is there really a difference? But there's something about carrots that are organic. They taste like a completely different vegetable. They really the do. Taste they're so much sweeter. And they're punchier. They're smaller. Some I have two. I think the other reason I go for organic is because I, I can't be bothered to peel them. I wash them. But I, I want to feel that if I'm just washing them, not peeling them, it's still safe to eat them. 
This is the ADHD brain. I find a workaround, so I'll just buy the, the organic well, ones the so organic. I can eat them quicker. I love that. I love that. Uh, confession time now. Oh, I already did that. No. <laughs> this is the podcast version. Mm. Uh, your biggest cooking disaster. Where do I start? Um, it was actually on MasterChef. I... It was while I was cooking the koftas for the semi-final, and uh, they said two minutes on the clock, and I really wasn't done. I had to cut my radishes for my fatou salad. Uh, what a middle-class sentence! And <laughs> it really was. That is one of the uh, best I've heard, oh if I'm God. honest. <laughs> and so I had the mandolin. Oh, it gets even worse. I had the mandolin there, and I'm f- freaking out. I I don't. I can't find the you know protective guard. And if you don't know what a mandolin is, it's one of those sort of slidey uh, guillotine implements. That's, They're brutal, aren't they? It's I mean, like a torture wolf. contraption, really. Yes. And it's what you see people slide food across, and you can slice it really thin. It, the blade is incredibly sharp. Anyway. A minute and a half on the clock and I've got this radish in my hand. I haven't got the, the protective guard and I go, look, it'll be grand. And I'll just hold the radish and I go, shup, shup, shup. And of course, naturally, my look, I go, shup. And my thumb goes into the blade kind of oh. perpendicular. So that like the nail down. And I'm looking at my hand in this piece of metal, the piece of metal in my hand. And I go completely grey and I nearly faint. And I pull it out and the senior producer sees what happens and they stop the clock and I sit down and I start crying. <laughs> I'm like, please, oh, please don't kick me out. I promise I, I can cook tomorrow with this injury. Just just bandage me up. It'll be fine. I really thought because it was that bad a cut that they'd just say bye. And they said, we will never kick you out because of that. It's only down to the food. So there's some truth talking about how legit the MasterChef format is. It really is about the food. Um, they bandaged me up and then they said... Um, and I got myself together emotionally. And they said, um, how how much time do you need? And I thought, maybe they'll give me some sympathy because I'm a wounded soldier who's mm-hmm. been downed. And I said, oh, ten minutes if you can. And they're like, you can have three. <laughs> I was like, oh three my God. Minutes. So oh, then, brutal. I bandaged up, emotional wreck. I had to get the radish again and start cutting, like traumatized new mandolin, of course, you know, safety first, well, not safety first, hygiene first, and served it up and um, I got through to the next round. So the tears, the blood, the sweat, literally, were worth the. Um, expenditure. Worth it in the end. Gosh, that is a, I wasn't expecting that either, but that is a great story. One to take with you forward for sure. Is there anything you absolutely would not let pass your lips when it comes to food? Food you have never tried and won't? I would try anything. I think apart from, ah, yes, apart from, you know, these, I think they call them thousand year old eggs, these fermented duck eggs. You see them on shows like I'm a Celebrity. They're they're black. It's not like a tea stained egg. It's it's a it's a yeah. Just the thought of it is making me kind of panic right mm-hmm. now. That that is something I would never try. I don't think for any amount of money. Yeah, something that I just don't want to eat um, is liver. Liver. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents would often cook liver um, uh, with onion, and it would just permeate through the entire house for days. Every item of clothing. Every bit of furniture, my hair, liver, liver, liver. No, thank you. No. It's gross. I think we, a lot of us will agree with that. But I like pate. What's that about? I have no idea. Tell me more. Maybe it's the garlic. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. It's probably the childhood memory, to be honest. Yeah. It's probably the association you have. I think they were cooking lamb's livers. Do you cook lamb's livers or, or, or um, yeah, it would be a lamb liver. And the pate is a chicken liver, so different animal. Different animal. There you go. Sorry, vegans. Your guilty pleasure. Oh, this is really bad. Go on then. This is really embarrassing. Hit me with Tidriad, I can cope. So if I'm feeling sick or if I'm feeling um, emotionally delicate or hungover, I will have a packet of chicken flavoured kind of ramen or instant noodles, kind of three quarters cooked. So there's still a bit of a bite there. They still have that kind of squiggly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. shape um, in a bowl. And then I'll fry an egg and I'll squish it so that the, the yolk and the um, white are kind of marbled. And then I'll, I'll loads of salt, loads of pepper. I'll chop that up into shards and roll that through the uh, half-cooked uh, noodles. A, a tin of mackerel um, broken up and, and thrown into the bowl. Where is this even going? It's going somewhere. I promise. Uh, more black pepper. Uh, if, I, if I can be bothered, some, some um, sh- uh, spring onions. And then final ingredient is uh, some cheese, a bit of parmesan or something on top. It sounds horrific. But again, it's got that saltiness, the savouriness. It's 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 a warm hug, and it really works. I don't know why it works, but it does. That's Do you know, my guilty pleasure. Can I just say it does sound very intriguing? I might have to try that on my next hangover and see how I get on. How it came about was back in the in the day when I was living at home in Ireland. I um, was out the night before, and there was nothing in the house, and I brought together what was there and I just put it in a bowl. And I was like, this is great. It sounds amazing, but also lots of store cupboard ready ingredients mm-hmm. there. So you can just cobble everything together, can't uh, you? But I have yet to find one person who's made it and liked it. Okay, right. Well, maybe I won't then. <laughs> Thanks for the tip yeah. of. Um, a final question for you, if I may. Yeah. What makes you optimistic for the future? Are you looking forward to something? Are you oh. excited about something? So we can end on a high? Mm, this podcast ending? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> You've loved it. What do I you have, mean? I have. I'll be devastated when it's over. See? I'm excited for the spring. You know, we're, we're, we're recording this in, in the depths of the, the British winter. And I just, I adore the spring and watching the, the, the buds on the trees come to life and the, the little um, crocuses in Clapham Common pop through the grass and life coming back. That's what I'm excited for. Oh, you've made me pine for spring now. Well, Riyadh, it, that was such a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you. And uh, I wish you all the very best with all your exciting projects. Thank you. And if you ever wanted to make life for me yes. I'm definitely in 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 offering my services right as long there. as you are willing to try the hummus as well then yes sounds alright to me Perfect. thank you so much thank you